hip-hop in its essence and real. But they all just wait, wait, what? There's no way to really make it happen. It's got to be ready. But my mind is old. It sounds so disturbing. Love this name called Samson. Sop sound was like I was a DJ for playing all the sounds. Sop up all these sounds. I am, of course, your host, B. Shea. Um, before we begin, I do need to issue an apology. I know I've been gone uh, a little bit longer than I expected. I think it's been ugh, it's been a few weeks since episode 7 was posted, um, and that's completely on me. I mean, uh, it, it, it was final season. It's kind of getting, trying to get through, you know, through that, and I don't know, life, life gets in the way, but we're back again. Oh, I'm very, very glad to be back. I know I say that almost every episode, but I mean it every episode. And, you know, this one special because, you know, I was back for a little bit, or I was, you know, away for a little bit. But anyway, here we are, back in the studio, back back home. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is, like, my favorite space on campus. Um, and but But, yeah, here we are on episode 8. Who would have thought episode eight? Um, yeah, but here we are. So, you know, <clears throat> in in the time I've had away, um, I say that like as a like a I don't know, like I, I needed like rehab or something. No disrespect to people who go to rehab, but I didn't. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, with final season, you know, I'm at the tail end of it now. Um, I've had not as much free time but also some times where I've had a lot um and in that meantime especially the last like couple days I've been just watching a lot of movies um and I know that this is a hip-hop podcast and it's it's a shoe like sneakerhead podcast um and this will tie in but I've been watching a lot of films um you know some to pass the time but also I don't like in my normal life I don't really have enough time to watch movies so getting that opportunity has been kind of nice i will say um i haven't really watched anything new it's usually been it's been things i've already seen so that you know if i do space out or you know whatever i I still get the gist but um while i was watching them one came across my like uh recommended and i was like oh this would be perfect and uh it was the movie eight mile right and of course stars eminem uh came out in 2002 um, and I was like, you know what? There's been a lot of rappers in movies. I would love to go over some of my favorite either rapper performances in film or some of my favorite just rapper uh, movies with rappers in them. So I've compiled a list here. Um, things I've seen, like these, these, most of these movies I've already seen. Um, there's some on here I haven't, but I just thought I had to mention kind of thing. Um, and I can, I'll open it up with 8 Mile. Like, I've seen 8 Mile a couple times. Um, it's one of the, probably one of the biggest rapper movie, like, crossovers. Um, it's, you know, loosely based on Eminem's life. It's, it's you know, not Eminem specific. I mean, I think, what's the main character's name? Jimmy? I mean, they call him B-Rabbit or whatever. But, um, I th- you know, what makes this movie so good is it, it, it really, you know, you know, it shows the the outside life of, you know, how how much Eminem was struggling and all that. But also the rap scenes are iconic. I mean, 
you know, I've I've probably seen that scene, the the rap battle one, the last one where he's like going at that guy Clarence, like, who knows how many times, and it's like, you know, what I mean, it's like, even if you've never seen the movie, you've probably seen, you know, a clip of that battle, um, at least if you're into Eminem and you know old school rap like that. Um, you know, other good things about this movie is there's some good cameos in it. I mean, Proof's in it, Exhibit's in it for a little bit. Uh, Obi Trice is in it too. It's like, you know, they're pulling out some some characters. They're kind of getting things going. Um, but it's also it's there's 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 hard hitting moments. There's moments that are like, you know, a little bit darker, whatever. But then there's also funny funny moments, like really funny moments. Like, um, I think one of my favorites is when Eminem is this. Uh, screaming sitting home in the trailer like you know making up his own lyrics to that that scene is so funny to me um one that's not supposed to be too funny but it's when cheddar bob shoots himself uh in the leg uh just because it's like what <laughs> you know like that kind of thing but i don't know but you know after i i watched that back not too long ago and then it, it kind of get me on a a little pathway of looking at other performances in in uh you know rappers in film so the next one i have on my list comes from a year earlier 2001 at least the first one came out a year earlier and that is uh method man and red man in how high i mean you want to talk about a funny movie right there like just dumb as all hell but really funny that how high checks those boxes um it's just it, the concept itself is funny you know, the two of them are actually pretty good actors. Like Eminem was also, I, I had to give him his credit, he was pretty good in um, 8 Mile. But Meth Man and Red Man are very funny. They play off each other really well. Like, they're, they're really, um, they come across great on screen together. Um, it also helps that Mike's, Mike Epps is in it. Mike Epps, hilarious. Um, but another good thing about uh, how high is the soundtrack? Spe- like, my favorite song on it, um, is his song Round and Round by Janelle, specifically the remix. But, like, I act, I found that song before I watched the movie. And then I watched the movie, and it was like, oh, okay, here we go. But, you know, how high I h- highly recommend. Haha, <laughs> funny. Um, I, I think it's a great movie. And, again, Method Man, Red Man are just very, very good in that movie. Um, Next up is probably the most famous actor. He's been in the like highest grossing films, probably the best films in these, you know, crossovers. Um and that's of course Will Smith. Like yeah, he technically was a rapper when he started, but now I think more people know him as an actor. Like that's just the trajectory of his career. Uh well, maybe not now, but in his in his prime that's what uh that's what will smith was known for um you know he got his start with uh it was a tv show fresh prince bel-air him and dj jazzy jeff which little side note dj jazzy jeff does not get nearly enough respect for being uh, a producer a dj like at all most people I would say know him just as being that fun side character or like Will Smith's or Fresh Prince's like sidekick, which is totally 
just absurd to me because DJ Jazzy Jeff was legit and is legit. Like one of my one of my favorite songs on Slum Village's Fantastic Volume Two is "I Don't Know." Um, it's a great, uh, I believe it's a James Brown beat, like a uh, sample, but it's it's DJ Jazzy Jeff. That's like all him. Like I, it, you know, there's probably some Dilla little overlay there, but DJ Jazzy Jeff could rock, and he never ever has gotten the respect he deserves for it. Um, but back to Will Smith, he obviously is in Fresh Prince, and then he was another, you know, he was in the Men in Black movies. Uh, he's in I Am Legend. Um, that's just. Like, those, those movies are just, they're beyond, I mean, he's been in so many other things, too, here and there. It's just, Will Smith has really, really blossomed into the actor role. Not to say that his music was bad. Like, I actually do like Will Smith songs, but he's definitely way better known and probably is a better actor than he was a rapper. Um, and it, this is funny that uh, for Halloween this year, I did go as Men in Black. Maybe it's because it's an easy outfit to do. You just put on a suit and glasses. But I did go as, uh, as um, you know, Men in Black for Halloween. And it's funny because two years ago, I went as another rapper on this list. Uh, I had to buy a, like, wig for it. I put on a flannel. And it is, of course, none other than Ice Cube. Um, Ice Cube has been in a bunch of movies but I think the two that I wanted to talk about, well, I mean, you can't talk about Ice Cube in, in film without talking about Friday, that franchise. So first one's in 1995. Again, hilarious concept. You get fired on your day off, and it's just a day of just sitting around doing nothing, um, but also getting into, like, the most absurd scenarios possible. Um, like, by the time you finish that movie, the fact that it's been one day is, like, Huh? But um, also an amazing cast. He gets his side character with Chris Tucker, which I don't even, it might be disrespectful to call a side character because those two together are absolutely hilarious. Um, John Witherspoon, rest in peace, is the father. Um, you get Debo. Debo's, I forget the name of the uh, actor. My apologies. I also want to say he passed away, which if he did, rest in peace. But. He plays his role really well. It, it really well. It's so funny, and also probably, I, I mean, the amount of memes that came out of that movie is there, there's countless of them. Um, but I think maybe the biggest one that came out was like the by Felicia thing, like that's from Friday. Um, but I I really love Friday. It also is a great soundtrack. Um, Obviously, you get Friday with Ice Cube song, uh, Keep Their Heads Ringing, which is a really good song, but the way they use it in the movie annoys me because they play almost the whole thing. Um, it's like the scene where they're driving to the gas station. Um, and then they play it again. It's like a little bit too much, too much uh, Dre right there. But, well, you know what I mean. It's too long in a movie setting, but whatever now a couple maybe like a month ago month and a half ago i was it was like i was late on a friday night 
Um, I was just sitting in bed. I'm like, you know what? Let me turn on a movie, whatever. And I went back to – I had seen it years before, but I was like, you know, I want to see it again. Uh, I had a conversation with one of my friends. We were arguing over whether or not Ice Cube was actually in the movie, which I forgot he was. Um, and it's uh, Boys in the Hood from 91. Uh, so I turned it on, whatever, and then, like, I, I, I've already seen it before. I knew what was going to happen, which, you know, there's gonna, spoiler alerts. Um, I'll say it now because it's going to be for the next couple of movies as well. Um, just, I couldn't sleep after the end of Boys in the Hood because it was, it's just, man, like, if, if you've seen it, you know what's happening, but cube in this he, he was definitely a good actor but it was less of his acting that made the movie so great and it's more of the story um that um and also another good cast cuba gooding is the main character Lawrence fishburne is the father um but so i think the very ending is what hits the hardest to me because Obviously, Ricky dying is is awful. Like that, it, that's what hurts the most. But it's just the the very end. So it's uh oh, what's it? Is it Trey? I think Trey is the name of the main character. I think Ice Cube's name is a uh, Doughboy. They're chilling out front the night after. So you know, the night before, um, Doughboy kills. And, you know, like, their crew go out. They find the guys who killed Ricky. They kill them, whatever. It's, like, the next day, Trey, whatever, are talking. And then Doughboy walks away, and it's, like, you know, that classic trope at the end. Or not even trope, but, like, in the movie, like, they put up the card, like, you know, blah, 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 went on to do this, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Trey, er, uh, Doughboy's was the next day Doughboy saw his brother buried. Just, like, damn, that one hurts. And then it's a, two weeks later, he was murdered. You're, like. Oh my god, dude, that that one hurt pretty bad because it's like that's the whole point of the movie. It's like this systematic, just black people were set up this way, and it, it's just how it's gonna happen, right? R Ricky gets killed for something that was misunderstood. Doughboy gets him back. That's three more dead bodies, and then because uh, Doughboy went out to kill somebody else, he gets killed. It's like that is that's the whole point of the movie is that there's really not much of a chance of escaping the projects and on an, you know i've i've never grown up anywhere close to the projects i don't think i've ever been i don't you know like i don't know i know it's just a movie but that that one whew, that is a crazy crazy film um i definitely do not recommend watching it at like midnight or 1 a.m whenever i did but i do highly recommend the film as a whole it is incredible like i cannot the, i can't put enough words to how important this movie is probably to watch um and, and you know it came out in 1991 and the issues are still shown today which is so incredibly unfair but boys in the hood is is a is a classic and it's you know it's not as much because ice cube is in it him being there helps but my goodness and this kind of goes into the the next rapper and movie um, connection, which this one is 
in a similar vein, not quite as as bad, but whatever. And it's uh, well, Tupac. Tupac was in a couple of movies. I will admit, I've only seen one of them. I've uh, he was in Above the Rim. He was in Poetic Justice. I haven't seen either of those. Call me a fraud. I'm sorry. Um, I do want to watch Above the Rim. I just haven't yet. Um, I also like. I've heard some of the songs on the Poetic Justice soundtrack, which I already love. Um, so there's that. But Juice is the one I've seen. It came out in 1992, and it's similar vein to Boys in the Hood, but this one, uh, you know, Boys in the Hood takes place in the uh, West Coast. This one's East Coast. Um, and when it first starts, you know, it hooks me because it plays uh, Eric B. and Rockin's Know the Ledge, like off their second album, which maybe even third. Um, tough to follow the leader album, uh, which, uh, spoiler alert, might be on this list or might be uh, talked about later on. But anyway, <laughs> um, this movie is insane. Like, I know I said Boys in the Hood is crazy. Juice might be crazier. And it's because of Tupac's acting. Like, this one is made better by Tupac's acting. Tupac plays this character, and again, spoiler alert, like, whatever, of this kid who, like, is clearly already a little mentally unwell, um, and Tupac plays this role to a T, perfectly, like, it, yeah, I I can imagine being on set and, like, actually being scared, so... Like, he just knows how to be crazy, and it's insane. So the basis of the film, whatever, is, you know, you need you need juice, which is, a, like, street cred. You're going to need whatever. So Tupac devises his plan, like, we're going to go rob this gas station, whatever. Like, I don't know, but, like, as soon as he gets a gun, he starts acting a little wild. Like, the power is starting to get to him. They rob the, the gas station, um, and for no reason, Tupac sh- shoots the clerk. And it's like, you know, his boy's like, yo, what the hell are you doing? Whatever. This is, this is also halfway through the film. I want to say it's like an hour and a half, hour, hour 40, hour 50 movie. This is right in the middle. They run away after, you know, it's him and his, his three other boys. And they're like, yo, what are you doing? Why'd you do this? And similar to the Ricky death where it's like, you know, you kill. Like the, the reason Ricky's death was hit so hard is because it was he was like supposed to be the one to get out. He was the athlete. Um, he, he needed a certain score in his SAT, which, you know, you find out after he already died that he, he, he got that score. He was going to go play football at, I want to say, USC. Like, he, he was supposed to be the one to go out. Raheem and in, in, uh, in Juice is, like, the same kind of character. Nice guy. I mean, in the beginning, he's a little, you know, he, he has a kid, and he, he's, his baby mama won't let him, uh, like, raise the kid with him, whatever. But Raheem is like the nice guy. He's the leader of the group. He's he's supposed to be the one that's bringing everybody together, the one that's going to help them get out. Um, so the four of them, after robbing the gas station, go to like an abandoned building. Pac loses his mind. His name is Bishop in the movie, but whatever. I'm going to call him Pac. Shoots Raheem. Done. He's dead. And you're like, oh, what? Like that one. That one always gets me. Almost more than Ricky. And then from there, Pac is mentally insane for the rest of this movie. And it's like 45, 50 minutes left. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's 
it's just the the power has got to his head, the juice has got to him, that kind of thing. So he goes on this spree. He takes out, you know, one of the some other like gang member guy who's been roughing him up. Um, tries to kill another one of the guys that like one of his close friends, and then the really like the the conflict in the movie is him and I cannot remember the main character's name. That's so sad. And I just watched the movie like a couple days ago. But anyway, Q. Yeah, Q. Sorry. So, <laughs> Pac and Q, they're like, whatever their thing. The the very end of Juice is crazy because they're, you know, whatever. They're going on this, like, back and forth. Basically, Pac is trying to kill Q because it's like, you know, he knows too much. He's going to give him in. Q was just trying to talk to Pac and be like, you know, settle things down. They end up on a a, a, a roof, like a, the top of a roof. Uh, and the ending that's actually in the movie is that uh, Q gets Pac over the edge just by accident. Like, they kind of stumble in. And Pac's like, yo, don't let me go, don't let me go. And he just slips through and falls to his death. Um, which is a sad ending. Um, it's, you know, you get to finally see the human side of, of Pac again. Because... You know, he goes from being this crazy dude to all of a sudden be like, yo, please save me, please, please. Um, but the original ending uh, is is way better that, to fit the character. So the original one is it's the same thing. Q is holding Pac over, like, holding him over the edge, like, not letting go. And then there's police sirens in the background. And what Pac does is he goes, I'm, I'm not going to jail. So he lets go. Q is still holding onto his wrist, but Pac's kind of like shaking him free. He goes, Q, I'm not going to jail. I'm not going down for this. And then slips to his hand and falls. That, to me, would have been a much better ending, more fitting ending, I would say. Um, you know, I, I think the, the other one's fine, especially when Q is leaving and there's like a crowd of people and, they, you know, this one kid comes up and goes, uh, you got the juice now. That one kind of hits kind of hard, but I don't know. It was a... A really great movie, Tupac. And this is, you know, in a case like I was just saying, where Tupac enhances, like his acting enhances the film, just because he he really does come off as crazy. Um, so, I I do want to watch Above the Rim and Poetic Justice to see if if it really is like his ability to act, or if he's just really good at sounding insane. Uh, but yeah, so that's gonna do that for that segment. Now another so. I like to do research, you know, for these episodes, like, um, just to make sure I have facts right, things like that, like, of course, right? Um, but while I've been going through a lot of these, I've come to find out a lot of my favorite albums, or some of the albums I think are the best, have come out in the year 1988. Um, you know, it started with, the, the, I'll start with the first one on this, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy. I've said it before on this podcast. I absolutely love this album. They may all sound um, similar, but I think it works. Like, there are all these super hard beats, and then there's, like, a siren noise in the background, and it's, it amps you up. Like, that is my go-to. Like, if I have any kind of game, that's my pregame playlist. Or, not playlist, album. Like, I'll just put it on. That's what I'm warming up to. 
But then as I was looking at other albums, I kept seeing the year 1988, and I was like, you know, this is wild. So I've compiled a list here of just albums that dropped in 1988, and I think by the end, you will also come to find that 1988 was the year to make a rap album. Um, and I think the common theme between these is it's either these um, artists' first or second albums, and it's also just the sound that was being produced somewhat similar. It's it's Most of these are, are um, East Coast, not all of them, but most of them are East Coast, who have that like very New York sound, uh, you know, like the echoes, the hard drum beats, uh, like those those loud snares. So I think it's a lot of that going on, but it's also just, I don't know, I think this is a time where rappers were really allowed to come into their own. Like this is where rap really started to become mainstream. And it's just everyone on this list has kind of you like really not abused the opportunity, but almost did where they finally had a chance to be themselves. So that is, so I, you know, I started with It Takes a Nation Million to Hold Us Back. One of my favorite albums ever. Like, I've talked about it time and time again on here. It's just really incredible. The next album I want to talk about is by the Ultramatic MCs. And that is their, I believe it's their debut album, Critical Breakdown. I didn't know too much about this album, honestly, before I started doing research, but I've listened to it now. And, wow. I, I've... I've found a, a new, not, you know, favorite, obviously. He's not, my, not uh, one of my favorites, but definitely a, a fun MC to listen to. And that's Cool Keith. Cool Keith has such an interesting voice. He has a really good flow. And honestly, on this whole album, there's little to no weak spots. Um, you know, you get the tracks like Ego Trippin', which is probably the, uh, the most famous one on the album. I think my favorite one is Cool Keith housing things just because, again, I've, I've come to really love Cool Keith uh, in his voice and style. So, great album. I do recommend this one. Um, and it has those, like, very New York beats, you know, like the, the echo noise, that drum beat I was talking about. So, definitely, definitely recommend this album. The next album on my list comes from The Man with the Eye Patch. And that is Slick Rick on the album Great Adventures of Slick Rick. There is some absolute classics on this album. You, of course, get Children's Story, which is his most famous song. And, and quite honestly, is such a creative song. Like, I love the storytelling of, of Slick Rick. He's very, very good at it. He mastered the skill. Like, he... I, it's it is called children's story, but his ability to legitimately tell a story, even in other rap songs, is immaculate to me. Like he's done it. Um, there's a great song with Outcast, Street Talking, and you know, Slick Rick with Andre and Big Boy is is a dangerous duo. I'll tell you that. Um, so that was good. But other songs on this album, you get Mona Lisa, Hey Young World. Like this was. Not just a, a one-hit uh, children's story. This had some really great tracks to it. 
Um, and it's a shame that his album doesn't get, you know, talked about as much as I think it should. Um, but Slick Rick was, you know, an impressive MC. Um, and he also had the eye patch, which is, you know, if for those of you who don't know how uh, how he got the eye patch, I believe. I believe this is the story. I could be wrong, but when he was a child growing up, I believe he's from New York. He was sitting by a window in his crib, like I'm talking like baby age. Um, and I don't know, some something prompted the window to break. I don't know if it was shot at. I don't know if somebody threw some at it. I don't, you know, whatever. That's part of the story. I don't know. But when the window broke, a piece of that window went into his eye it's his left eye and damaged it enough where he can't use it anymore so he just is, is using eye patch the rest of his life um so you know it's kind of a sad story but he took it into a uh took it in a better way so i don't know shout out slick rick here i am again with the shout outs but shout out slick rick <clears throat> the next album that I'm going to talk about, also in 1988, this is on the West Coast. This is what I'm saying, you know, not all of them on the East. This was on the West. Um, debut album. Uh, w- one of the most important, uh, f- you know, founding fathers of gangster rap in his NWA, the album Straight Outta Compton. I mean, this album did numbers for the West Coast um, and that gangster rap sound, like, they they uh, they founded it. There's no other way to really say it than they founded it. Um, they put together a super group of Ice Cube, Dre, Yella, Ren, Easy E, like, and they they looked the part, they sounded the part, they lived the part, like they knew what they were doing. And you know, they, every song on this album was in some way classic but you know you get the class like the actual classic ones are straight out of compton f the police gangsta gangsta express yourself is one of my favorites on this um one because it's creative where they don't swear um it's also Dre's like dre's primarily carrying the um the lyrics um and, you know dre doesn't get enough respect for his lyrics like i i've, I've said it before myself where like he's not really that that good at lyrics but he does have a good voice for it at least um but express yourself was a good like it was a fun different little uh vibe from the rest of the album so 1988 or straight out of compton next up <clears throat> alluded to it earlier in juice and it is follow the leader by eric b and rock him this is I believe their second album. If not, it's the one that follows the Paid in Full of 1987, which is one of, if not the greatest rap records of all time. So, you know, it's it's really hard to follow um, such a success like that. Like, it really is. Paid in Full was, like I said, one of the greatest of all time. So, you know, there's pressures to come up with something that's even going to be close and i honestly think that they they were they were better than just close because this second album follow the leader has some great songs on it like 
the app sh I will I will say this paid in full from start to finish every track is good follow the leader has some songs that are just as good but the whole album itself you know like not every song is held to that same standard but with tracks like follow the leader microphone fiend lyrics of fury the r um it's it's got some really t here's what i'll say it's top heavy so the the those song, like tracks i just named are stupid good bottom ones not as uh not as great but still a great album that came out in 88 next up we got a debut album from one of my favorite sounding MCs in terms of voice, in terms of style, even in terms of uh, you know, appearance. Like style as in when I say style, I mean like his rhyme style. But he also had like appearance style. Um, and that's Big Daddy Kane on his first album, Long Live the Kane. I mean, there's some classics on this record that make the album itself a classic. You know what I mean? Raw, Set It Off, Ain't No Half Step In, Long Live the Kane. I mean, track by track, it's Big Daddy Kane is almost just flexing his style and just even the way he comes across in it, it's like he doesn't care. He's just, it's effortless to him. Um, he also, like the samples that he uses in his songs, I don't know if he produced them himself. I'm gonna assume not. Um, but you know the samples songs hit every single time. Big Daddy Kane truly is one of the greatest of all time in rap. And you know getting his feet wet in his first album, it, it just adds to this insane year. Next up, I have. Um, Boogie Down Productions by all means necessary this is another one following kind of like Eric B and Rakim's where it's following such a classic like their first album Criminal Minded came out in 1987 but the, the biggest storyline with uh, this album by all means necessary is that this is the first album Boogie Down Productions released after the passing of Scott LaRock um so, you know, it's kind of a weird dynamic now with the group. You don't have Scott. You're, ju like, you're just coming off of it. You just had this classic. There's all these outside pressures push pushing them to, you know, get them to where they got, or where they, you know, where um, KRS-One wanted it to be. And he, I think, you know, I think he does that. You get songs, Stop the Violence. I'm still number one. You slip in my philosophy, like all these songs. You know, Scott LaRock, KRS One was really great at the songs with the bigger message, such as you know the ones I just named, and he really hits those ideas hard in this album, and. You know, it's. I think that's why it is such a great, great record, um, and it's why I, it's arguably their best album. I don't think it is. I still think Criminal Minded holds the light to that, but there's that. Next up, I've messed up 
this name before. I will not do it this time. Um, it is Strictly Business by EPMD. It is their first album. But a couple episodes ago, I kicked myself still for it. I said Eric Parrish as if it was one guy. I, I know they're two. Eric and Parrish making dollars. Eric Sermon, Parrish, I don't know his last name, but whatever. I messed that up, and I, I'm, I was so annoyed at it. But got it right this time. Sorry, Parrish, for not knowing your last name. EPMD, Strictly Business, their first album. Absolute banger. Um, and it's because they have funny beats but dope rhymes. Like, some of the songs sound kind of goofy, but their rhymes are really good. You know what I mean? Like the, the It doesn't really match, but I think it works really well. Um, and, you know, it's got songs like Strictly Business, like You Got to Chill, um, both really good songs. So it, 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 this album was really amazing, and it was just such a different kind of vibe, like something we hadn't seen yet, which, you know, in the few, you know, that kind of idea comes in later um, a lot, like, uh, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, which came out in 92, has those, you know, goofy sounds, funny lyrics, things like that. Um, but, you know, I think EPMD was kind of the, f- uh, maybe Biz Markey was the first to kind of do that with those goofy sounds. But, you know, they're definitely one of the uh, foundation layers of that whole idea. Next up, we have the beginning of what would soon be probably my favorite era of at least my favorite sounds of hip-hop and that is the jungle brothers first album straight out the jungle because what this album meant it was a good album but it was also the beginning of the native tongues if you know me you know i absolutely adore the native tongues i love de la soul i love tribe called quest um i i actually i yeah I don't hold the Jungle Brothers to the same level. Like, I've listened to this album. It's not my favorite. But I think this was more of, you know, what this album led to. Um, and it's got songs. Stray Out the Jungle. I do enjoy Stray Out the Jungle. Um, I also... Th- so, this has always been interesting to me. On De La Soul's second album, uh, De, La Soul, De La Soul is Dead, they have a song kicked out the house where they come on and like you know we're not making fun of all those house MCs you know that's like not our thing but if we were here's how we do it and it makes like a house song in 1988 on Straight Out the Jungle and arguably still their biggest song by the Jungle Brothers is I'll House You which is a house song so I'm like it's interesting because you know you, you claim these guys are your brothers and you know, you're all part of the native tongues together, but you're mo- like I don't know if, who that song was aimed at the De La Soul one. If it's aimed at the Jungle Brothers, it doesn't really make sense to me. And if that is somehow considered a diss track, that is hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's a a wild, wild little thing. But Straight Out the Jungle, good album. But to me, it's more important because of what it led to, less of the sounds it gives off. Next, I have the. This will be the second mention of Easy E, but this is his own album, um, his debut album, Easy Does It. Um, which, to be fair, the fact that Easy's name is thrown on this is a little 
disrespectful. It should honestly be considered an NWA album because the lyrics are pretty much written by Ice Cube. DOC and uh, uh, MC Ren make a couple appearances. The production is pretty much Dre and Yella. Like it's this this album was a group effort, um, but Easy kind of slapped his name on it. So I don't know. That kind of rubs me the wrong way, but nonetheless, it's a great album. You got Boys in the Hood. Easy does it. Easier said than done. We want easy and nobody move. Like there's more uh, to the record, but these are those are my favorites on it. Because um, each one, you know, the lyrics are great, and of course they're going to be, because Ice Cube wrote them. The beats are great, because of course they're going to be, because Dre and uh, Yella did them. It's, I don't know, this, it's, Easy was almost spoon-fed a amazing record, which I don't really mind. You know, I'm just listening to it. Uh, so, I love it. Uh, I just, you know, I think it, it's it's a little disrespectful to credit it's just Easy's album, but amazing record uh basically it really is just almost another nwa album which you know we obviously didn't get a whole lot of after ice cube left uh kind of abruptly so that's you know easy e next up on my list is in control volume one by marley mall pretty much so this is it's a good album but really what makes it for me is the symphony um, and again, it's because of Big Daddy Kane. I think he carries on this song. Uh, I do actually believe Cool Keith is on, on the record or on the song. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure he is. But Big Daddy Kane's verse on this absolutely carries, and I love. I abs. I absolutely love this song. So, In Control Volume One. Next up, I have uh, Too Short. This is not his first time. I don't. It's hard to, because by this point, Too Short had been a rap veteran, but I don't know what his first record was, because he was, you know, he got famous for selling tapes out of a trunk in Oakland. I don't know when his first studio album was, but that's, you know, beside the point. This is definitely when Too Short became, like, started to come into his own as a rapper, um, he, he, he's got his you know explicit lyrics but his laid back flow and his music that you can kind of just like relax to like he, too short is a perfect um like summer riding windows down kind of vibe like you're going i don't know 25 miles an hour like just chilling that's what this album is uh, my favorite song on it is the title track life is too short definitely definitely recommend this album that is not it for 1988, but and you know I could keep going on, but I think you get the idea. Um, I'll, I'll mention a few more that came out. MC Light's record "Light as a Rock" came out. "Full Gear" by Stetsasonic. Here on the DJ, I'm the rapper by Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. "Born to Be Wild" by MC Shan. Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rocks. It takes two. Chub Rocks, Chub Rock. Like 1988. I oh man, if I could go back, right? If I could be my age now, in 1988, I don't think I would ever go outside because I would just be listening to records, these records, over and over and over again. Um, this is such a, like, the fact that these all came out in the exact same year is absurd to me. Because, you know, each year there's usually one or two, maybe three, four good records. I just named off, what, 15? 
17, somewhere around there. Like, this is wild. Wild. Um, and a lot of them, again, they're either first or second albums. So it's either when MCs are beginning to come into their own or, uh, you know, just come out the gate swinging. Um, you know, and they also just had more of an opportunity to do so with, with rap becoming, you know, as big as it is, or it was. So that's, I think that's all I'm going to have today. This is, you know, one of my shorter episodes, but kind of packed things in heavily. Um, but yeah, you know, it's really nice to be back here. Um, I'm now that, uh, I'll be on actual winter break. I don't know when my next episode will be. Um, hopefully it's not too late. I will be back January 10th. Um, I'm recording this on December 19th, so I don't know if I want to go a whole nother month off, but you know, that, that is yet to be seen. Um, but yeah, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, and you know, wherever you're headed, wherever you're going, hope you have a beautiful day, beautiful night. Okay. Okay. Thank you. There comes a time. Yeah.